Conquer Life's Mountains with Mitsubishi. Powering Ian Collins once a word. Thunder Ice! Dan Show! Thunder Ice! Dan Show! Thunder Ice! Dan Show! Thunder Ice! Dan Show! That's better. Right, lovely boys. Let's have a look at your Andy work. Ian Collins wants a word. And stay out! Hello, and while it may seem beyond the comprehension of even our fiercest of critics, here we are looking all happy-like as we make it to that impressive landmark of episode 27. We promise you laughs, japes and even education as we fire up the podmobile for a show that'll move faster than Mo Farah with his arse on fire! A man that's fast. Uh, we will, of course, be offering some of this. Didn't think of that, did you? Eh? Eh? Me and Hollywood? Yeah. A frankly over-generous amount of this. Maybe we'll find footprints. That would be almost definitive. Or a dead body. Or a moving alien. Uh, you see what I mean? Education. It's like our middle name. And we'd be arrested for crimes against decency if we didn't vomit some of this. The French are especially bad for it. You know who's from France. And how excited are we about all of that? Here is the executive producer of this shenanigan. Uh, his name is Sideshow Kev. Did you really describe this as being some sort of podmobile? Yeah. Does that make you podman? Yeah. Why do you think I'm wearing these pants? You usually wear those pants. Not on my head. Why would you be wearing them on your head? Have you got some questions, Kev? It's questions and feedback and questions and comments and corrections via social media like Facebook and Twitter. Bebo, Friends Reunited, and now Adult Friend Finder from Lil. Lil says... (laughs) Nobody called Lil listens to this podcast. Apparently they do. Okay. Uh, Lil says, what's the current must-have gadget for blokes? I want to buy my hubby something special for his birthday. Well, Lil, the fact that you said hubby means we're just not going to answer your question. Move on. From... Paul. Paul says, loving the podcast, guys, but just one question. How do you manage to play in so many entertaining effects and clips at exactly the right time? Clips and effects? What, you mean like a a cow? (coughs) Or an annoyed lion? (coughs) An utter tit? Top programmes and top prizes. There you see, we've got all the sound effects in here. That's Andre Porch for you. Andre uh, Porch! Man on the decks there. Yeah, that's what's coming. And, of course, the Profanitator, which provides all of this stuff. Anyway, so when you say different words, it's bleeped out. Yeah, like... See? It's family-friendly. You could play it in the car as you're driving along. Yeah. It, you may well crash into a tree, so we don't recommend it. Yeah. From Foggy, why is Sue Barker in the Go Compare advert? That just doesn't make sense. Just me? No, I, I get this. Have you seen this advert? Yes. Where she seems to be some sort of domestic terrorist shooting the large opera singer. But what I don't understand is there why Sue... There are complaints about it as well. Yeah, but why Sue Barker? I, I don't know. Is it like, who can we get? They all won't do it. Oh, well, we'll get Sue Barker to do it. No, good for Sue. She gets a little bit of money out of it and a bit of publicity. But even she must have gone, what have I got to do with the giant opera singer? Yeah, it doesn't really sit very well, does it? Is it something, I mean... Is it because she's the last person in the world, you would imagine, sort of with a balaclava on, um, shooting up folk in the street? Possibly. But on the other hand, I mean, there must be other... Cho- I mean, Des O'Connor, for example. I'd have got Martin McGuinness. From Dean. Dean says, what's your view of the Mars landings? This was kind of incredible stuff, it has to be said. What Mars landings? The Mars landings. You Sorry, know, I missed that as a man landed on Mars. Well, no, but it, like a sort of trundly robot thing has landed on Mars. And well, it's that was years ago, wasn't it? Wasn't there a... No, 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 now. Like, this, this past couple of weeks. We've what? Been, yeah. Come Have on. I missed the Mars landings? Oh, is this c- like missing the moon landing? Considering you, Captain News, yes, it is a little bit like missing the moon landings. I know nothing about the, the Mars... What, what have they landed on there? Like animals? 
No, no, it's like a trundly robot thing that picks up... I know nothing about it. Foxsmith's your man, the science broadcaster. We had him on a couple of weeks back talking about that kaleidoscope. That was... <laughs> yeah, the, he the was big kaleidoscope. He was good, yeah. Andre, get Foxsmith on the phone. There you go. And put your c*** <laughs> away. <laughs> Hopefully he'll answer your questions. I love the theatre, don't you? That's brilliant. From Grey Fox 5. <laughs> <laughs> Is that his birth name, do you think? I think so. Ian, you've got a dog, right? Yes. That makes you a... Wag, wag, oops. <laughs> That's all he or she says. Okay, that's all right. Uh, from Keith. Keith says, I recently met a girl who's a big fan of this podcast. Oh, she's a keeper. She's a keeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knock her up, son, quickly. <laughs> she introduced me to you guys. We split up the other month. Oh, dear. Hang on. Andre, give me some sad music. He's busy tonight, isn't he? He is. He's earning his burger. We split up the other month, but I still feel the need to talk to her about each episode. Please, can you tell me who you think should get custody of your show? Me or her? P.S. I should add that she bonked my best mate. Firstly, who uses the phrase bonked? Well, Keith does. What year do you think you're in, Keith? He's in Swansea. Uh, who should get custody of the podcast? Well, the beauty of podcasts is that you can all have a share, of course. But if I had to decide as the judge, the fact that she decided to go uh, carnal with your mate, I would say uh, you get them. But you're right. I mean, we we can be shared. We're kind of we're kind of like a digital slut, really, if you think about it. But just as long as his ex told us, you know, best mate during the act about the podcast, then I, I really don't mind. Yes, I quite like the idea that during the final strokes, the old um, wag, wag, oops kicked in. That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> so there we go. Any questions you have for us, you can send them to Kev. That's Kev at onceaword.com or to me. Uh, Ian at whatsaword.com or lob them onto Twitter at Ian Collins UK or at at Sideshow undercurrent Kev underscore, bastard underscore Kev Kev at Sideshow underscore Kev that's the one and uh, we'll do our best to stick them on the next episode we will hurrah which of course we should mention at this point yes in case you don't listen to the end we're taking a little break after this one for two years <laughs> thanks very much everybody <laughs> or optionally two weeks uh, two weeks we're off for two weeks we're actually going to Folkestone as a, uh, <laughs> Again? a show trip. So we look forward to that. And it has to be said that this two weeks is perfect because people often say, you know, you're putting out these podcasts every week. I just need some time to catch up. So think of this two weeks as your Ian Collins mm. wants a word catch up fortnight. And then, in the best interests of the Americanization of the English language, season three will begin on Monday, the 3rd of September. Yeah. Can't wait. So be ready. Yeah. Now, that means only one thing, everybody. They are random acts of irrational annoyance, the tiny things in life that royally rack you off. However, we take a little bit of a twist on this one, because although we've still got the Para-Olympics to come, the first lot is now over with, and I, I will miss it. I loved every darn moment of it. Yeah. But there were moments that we thought we could easily mount up a bit of a list of random acts of irrational Olympic annoyances. Because I think of this, this podcast, this episode, as being kind of like an end-of-season sale. Like the Olympics, yep. we'll never mention it again when no. we come back after the break. No. And there's all manner of things that were thrown in, effectively to get rid of it before the new season. That's not to say it's low quality, though, folks. <laughs> never. Except per for the bits that are. Perish the thought. Uh, what have you got, Kev? I've got one. The Chariots of Fire music. Is there a greater cliche in professional sports or any other sports? They'll yep. play that at the school fate, for example. Correct. 
couldn't they have composed something specially for the occasion, something regal, or or just played Blur or something, something British, as opposed to playing something that you would have gone, you know, you could ask anybody, oh, well, let's play the Chariots of Fire well, I think they should just, given that it was in London, they should have just played Knees Up Mother Brown <laughs> every time somebody got a medal. That would have livened it up a little bit, wouldn't it? But nonetheless, well, I'll tell you what mine is. Mine actually ties in. I went to the Olympics the other Monday, and yep. it was uh, completely stunning. E- everything about it, the sight, the sheer size, the Athenian-like atmos of the what pomp. goes on. It's just, oh, just, st- it's vast. I never saw anything so big. It's bigger than Hyde Park. Ma- absolutely massive. Anyhow, last week's podcast, remember yeah. somebody said, mm-hmm. have you ever had anything taken off you at an airport? And I said, my Leatherman. But what, but when that guy... Hang said, on, hang on, though. In fairness... As I say, we put these out every week. If people haven't caught up, you have to give them a, a little bit of time just to catch up That's and listen true. to that story. Yeah, episode twenty-six. It was on. Let's give let's give people some time. We'll put the podcast on hold. And people can go back and listen to it. We'll wait. It's okay. We've got nothing better to do. Done it yet, Kev? Give him a bit more time. Is it ready now, Kev? Now Joel's not done it yet. All oh, right. He's just he's just switched his computer on. For God's sake, man! Keep up. We gave you enough bloody time. What a. C- <laughs> Yes. Hey, as a result of that voicemail call about the Leatherman that I'd lost twice at airports, while walking through the glades in Bromley, thought, I'll buy myself another Leatherman. <laughs> I thought, I'll stab someone. <laughs> it's about time I got another Leatherman. Yeah. So I did, only to have it confiscated at the Olympics <laughs> the following Monday. Hey! Couldn't make that sh- up, could you? I'm amazed you survived for so long without one, to no, be honest. Crucial gadget. Uh, there are loads here. Uh, Fiona says Gary Lineker. A lot of uh, these are random acts of irrational Olympic annoyance. A lot of people say Lineker. I've, I actually thought the presentation team has been stunning, to be honest, on the Olympics. I was a bit confounded, though, by the fact that, you know, the when they were doing the news, he's in that sort of thing just outside mm. the Olympic Stadium, and you could hear the air conditioning as they're reading the news whirring away in the background. That's true. They sorted it out a bit later on, but you could still sort of hear it rumbling. Cockney Reject says non-stop coverage. Brian says the name Team GB. It should be the GB team. We've had that a couple of times already. Or Team UK. Indeed. Darren says too much pink. Was she there? Oh, for f***'s sake. I thought the colour scheme was really quite powerful, actually. Uh, Lorraine says, the way commentators have to constantly correct themselves from saying England to Britain. Mm. That's true, there's been a fair bit of that. Uh, John Mortimer, low cogs, way over-the-top attitude towards the sponsors. Fish and chips, anybody? Uh, Glenn says, that stupid brass band that also plagues football. A brass band in the stadium? It would have been better than the Chariots of Fire music if a marching yeah, band had gone true. round them. They deserve live music for their medals. Tony says, that Matt bloke who commentates on gymnastics, he's as wet as a haddock's pocket. <laughs> Go back to Blue Peter. Hey, I think he's all right, old man. Uh, Robert says, those high fives for every point one in doubles tennis. That's a really good point. Have you seen that? 
They high-five it every point. Did you see the thing about um, when Serena Williams was doing some sort of gang walk after she scored a point? She did like a Crips gang walk. What's that all about? Yeah, and everyone said, oh, she's gangster. No, no, she's a very rich tennis player, really. There has been, no matter what the sport is now, and we mentioned it was swimming last week, where there just seems to be this propensity, this urge to all have your own kind of signature of some sort. I mean, it sort of started in football with people doing stupid dances after they've scored a goal or just even when they've walked on the pitch. Yeah. And it now happens quite a lot in athletics, I notice. You know when they introduce every runner, they go to each lane and they say this is such and such from Kenya, such and such from Great Britain, such and such from France. And each one of them seems to have their own kind of signature gesticulation. They all look like utter <coughs> heads when they do it. I don't know why yeah. I'm staggered it's even allowed, given the sort of way these things are regulated. They look stupid. And it sort of also... Slightly detracts from the seriousness of what they're... The fact they've even thought uh, of got the time. You'd think, if you're about to run the 1,500 metres, no matter how much you'd been in the dressing room practising your rather strange, crazy, whirring hand movement, <laughs> that by the time you got out there with the pressure of a stadium and billions of people watching you, you'd probably forget. Yeah. The fact that they don't forget bothers me. The French are especially bad for it. I'm not sure why. You know who's from France? Who? Fanny Babu. <laughs> I forgot, I forgot about Fanny. But you do make an interesting point about gestures. And it's also like, because, uh, you know, Andy Murray, when he won his gold medal, and the only reason I mention it is because it's one of the little bits. I didn't see much of the Olympics, believe it or not, but I did see that. Yeah. When he did his little run-up into the crowd and he's climbing over things, I was yeah. thinking, oh, it's a bit dangerous. If he falls and breaks his legs, then that's going to cost him, like, 15 million in sponsorship. That's true. Yes, I, again, the climbing up the stadium, I saw Don't do that! <laughs> You fucking vandals! Get off! If you did that in my back garden, I'd shoot your legs off. <laughs> you do sit on your porch with a shotgun in your rocking chair, in fairness. <laughs> Looks like there's a storm brewing up over the west. <laughs> Every week without fail. Uh, Matt Rawlinson says, People riding their bikes at the side of the river during the rowing annoyed me. I think they're the coaches and the... the the team managers. I wondered about that, though. Yeah. I, I don't thought, think anybody can just ride their bike up there. I thought they were just lazy. Because otherwise folk would pay loads of money for tickets when you could just get on your bike and ride up the side of the river. I don't think that's the case. But if you're a coach on a bike, how? what are you going to do? You're going to be, like, shouting when you're out of breath. Row faster! <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> uh, this is him from Brad, who says, Piers Morgan trolling through Twitter and pointing out British athletes who didn't sing the national anthem. I think he was going to donate a thousand quid. That's to exactly what he was doing. Yeah. He did sing the national anthem. Yeah. Uh, this comes from Sam, who says the four missing quavers at the end, not the crisps, at the <laughs> end of the first verse of the national anthem. I want it to go, duh, 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 send her victorious. Yeah. And apparently they've missed that out. They haven't. That explains why. Now, that's interesting because I was trying to figure out why it sounded so odd. Because I sing it all the time and it just threw me. You wake up and do a verse, don't you? You have to. Every single morning. Alex Foxall says, Team GB winning so many medals, it means I can't moan about how crap we are. They did pretty darn well, didn't they? They certainly did, yeah. Pond Jumper says, why does the version of... What's funny about that? Pond Jumper. He says, why does the version of the national anthem they're using sound so shit? Which is what we were just talking about. He also says, the guy who interviews the athletes trackside, could he not make an effort to dress better? A lumberjack shirt. Mm. Really? Yeah. Uh, David says, people post... This is great. People posting pictures of great views of the Olympic Stadium when they've gone there, which never look quite as good as the pics I'm watching on my telly. Mm. Martin says, interviewers asking athletes after their race how they feel about not winning pissed off I'd say that's probably true Paul McCartney comes in from Neil Karen says people who think silver and bronze medal winners are failures 
Wish I was third best in the world at something. Yeah. Fair dues. This comes from Generic Hat. He says, commentators talking over the stadium announcers at medal ceremonies, yeah. saying exactly the same thing. Yeah. Fair point. And the French thing as well, of course, still announcing everything in French like it's a yeah, uh, somehow relevant language. Yeah. Tosses. Uh, well, it. hang on. What do you mean, all the France? Or just... No, I was talking about the Olympic system. Oh, I see. Well, that that's, that. oh, that's yes. fine then. I thought you were saying all of France were like, you know. Oh, no, no. It's most of France. Most of France. <laughs> okay. Not all of it. That'd be silly. Good morning. Yeah, I go. Some beauties there. But next time we're back after the summer break. Uh, we'll be back to the random acts of irrational annoyance. You can keep those coming through. Ian at onceaword.com. Simple as that. Kev. Yes. What are we doing next? Oh, right. This. The Mitsubishi ASX comes with active stability and traction control, on-demand four-wheel drive, hill start assist, and Mitsubishi's legendary reliability. For more information, search for Mitsubishi cars. Sideshow Kev's Showbiz Shoebox. And here it is, everybody. It's Kev's Shoebox. How nice. Love it. How nice. Yeah, that's really generous of you. We had some nice comments about last week's Showbiz Shoebox, Loads. the one that fell apart. We're hoping to hold it together a little bit better this week, but you never can tell, really. There may no. well be no coming back from that. It's Sideshow Kev's Showbiz Shoebox, our weekly look at the box of Showbiz. Oh, we find under the bed. Now, this week... The world of television is filled with lots and lots of cheap programming and dodgy imported shows. But in amongst the dross, there are some real gems featuring some literally bonkers folk with completely bonkers lives. We're talking documentaries, people. So with that in mind, it's time to play the Dodgy Doc Challenge. Andre, give me some Dodgy Doc music, you giant testicled man with a documentary about your giant testicles. I wonder what the f*** the real dialogue is. Very simple, Ian Collins. Yes. You will hear the titles and descriptions of three documentaries. One of them is a fake. Yep. All you have to do is spot the dodgy doc. Okay. Number one. A. King of Kong. 1980s arcade nuts play Donkey Kong in high-stakes world of intrigue and scandal. B. The Parking Lot Movie. A car park steward's musings on life, the universe, and terrible parkers. Or C. Opportunity Cox. A farmer breeds chickens to enter a TV talent show. Which of those is a dodgy dock? I'm going three is the dodgy dock. Opportunity Cox? Correct. You think they haven't done Opportunity Cox? About chickens, no. Ian Collins scores one dodgy dock point. Fantastic. Very nice. Number two, spot the dodgy dock. A. Married to the Eiffel Tower. About women in love with buildings. For example, there's one who's actually married to the Eiffel Tower. There's another one who's in love with a church organ. And another lady who married the Berlin Wall. B. London's Quiet Riots. Featuring the 1987 Covent Garden Riots, in which a group of mime artists went crazy and pretended to smash up shops. Or C. Spellbound. About the dark world of school spelling competitions. A lot of information there. Uh, what the first documentary I think is true about the um, being married to buildings. Yeah, things. I think that's true because that that is a a, a recognised um, psychiatric thing. That's it. Uh, the third one is probably a because they do this spelling bee thing, don't they, in the states, which they now do in the UK. Mm. Uh, so I'd imagine somebody tried to do a documentary about that. So that would mean that B is the false one. So what you're telling me is you don't think there was a documentary about mime artists going mad and smashing up London. Well, you get a point for that because it is the dodgy doc. Get in there. Number three. A, my fake baby. Middle-aged women who care for lifelike real dolls as if they were actual babies. B, I think we're alone now. Chronicling the lives of two people who are in love with and stalk Tiffany. 
in 2012. Or C, my Amandatron and me, a gentleman who built a full-size Amanda Holden replica from Solid Oak and married it. The TV performance is, of course, identical. I've seen the first one. The second one I'm aware of, although I didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, so therefore the third one is the Dodgy Dog. What would you do with a full-size wooden Amanda Holden? Hang it on my wall. Might really? not do that with the real one. Ah, how strange. Number four, spot the Dodgy Dog. A, a murder of crows, describing how crows can talk and make actual tools. B, my furry life, the story of a man who licks beavers. And badgers and squirrels. Or C, strange love, I'm in love with my car, about men in love with automobiles. Jump in my car. Uh, right, I've seen the, f the third one. You were in it, weren't you? <laughs> With your Austin princess? What a bitch she was. Uh, the made-up one is B. B, my furry life. wildlife. The beaver licker? Yes. Correct answer. Tell you what, for number five, would you like to go 50-50? I'm going 50-50. 50-50. Okay. A, lunar, featuring people who are in love with balloons and get upset if they get popped. Or B, the big bean flick. <laughs> The story of a giant tiddlywinks tourney in Utah, where the counters are replaced by baked beans. Uh, the, it's de so I've only got 50-50 because I've done so well, and I'm going to about to max out on my points here, because the first documentary about the balloon uh, upset stuff is true, and the one about the tiddlywinks bean replacement is not true. So you're telling me the bean-flicking one is not the correct one? Correct. You're saying me that's dodgy? Another point for you. Ian Collins scores five out of five. Five, out of five. gets in there. Very, very reasonable. Thank you very much. And that's the Showbiz Shoebox for this week. If you've got a shoe for my Showbiz Shoebox, uh, when we return in two weeks' time, then email me, kev at onceaword.com, or follow me on Twitter at sideshow underscore kev. Voicemail roulette. Please leave a message. So here it is, a voicemail roulette. We will give £55. £55! You know, we have to revise this for season three, surely. We have to come up with a big surprise for season three. Stuff you can win, stuff which is tangible. We have given away £155. We did. But I think we need to sort of, you know, this should be a financial, and then we come up with something exciting that people want to own. Perhaps some of the uh, forthcoming Ian Collins Wants a Word merchandise. Oh, now you're talking. Yeah. Okay. You can win £55. Plus a hat <laughs> with my arse on it. O double seven eight nine eighteen thirty two sixty two. The idea is it's twenty four hours now. Twenty four hours. Twenty four hours a day. This line is open for. Use it to have a, a, a sort of a topical whinge, a general moan, a specific question, anything you like. And if it's good, we get it on the show. Yeah. Um, which just goes to tell you what the standard is like <laughs> when you hear the crock of. Sh <laughs> that's coming your way in a second. So, uh, here we've got four. We don't want to do three. Why have we got four? Uh, because it's, like I said, it's an end-of-season sale on the podcast. Everything must go. Okay, all right, fair enough. Here's the first. Hi, Ian. Just a quick mate. Victoria Pendleton. Chris Hoy. Adlington. That's it. Bye! Chris Hoy, Pendleton, Adlington. What does he mean? What? Which one am I in, you know, with? Uh, uh, well, which one would you like to, um... Yeah. Chris Hoy. Sir Hoy. Yeah, I'd make him cry. Bet you would. Uh, here's another. Hi, guys, it's me, Colin. Uh, yeah, Mike Hansen just back from my trip from Los Angeles, Hollywood, actually. Hanging out in Hollywood with the stars. Yeah, and uh, yeah, 
at dinner with Katy Perry? Went, well, okay, she was at the table next to me and didn't talk to me and didn't even know I was there. But that doesn't even matter, does it? Hey, 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 what do you think of that? Didn't think of that, did you? Hey, hey, me and Hollywood? Yeah, you and your, your, your podcast. <laughs> Sorry, has he just shot himself? <laughs> Here's another. By the way, are you having that Pringle, that whole cycling track thing? Yeah, not for me. Cycle track Pringle. Yes. I don't know. Um, it's shaped like a Pringle. Is it? Well, not sort of, is it? Is it? What flavour? Well, it'd have to be the onion one. Would... Really? What, the sour cream and onion one? Yeah. Yeah. I prefer the barbecue. Barbecue beef? Yeah, well, no, just bar- Texan barbecue, isn't it? Is what it is? Yeah. The brown one? Yeah, the brown one. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm muttlying again. <laughs> Yes, I don't know. It's uh, it's an impressive building, the velodrome. Yeah. And I think it's going to be knocked down, that Olympic one. Is it really? Yes. That's a shame. They've already got no use because the Commonwealth Games a couple of years in Glasgow, and they've already just built one there for, for that. So you don't... No, that's just bad planning. <laughs> Somebody didn't think ahead on it. Yeah. Uh, here's another on voicemail roulette. Oh, hi, Ian. It's Louise calling from Southend. Just wondering, were you at the Olympics on Monday? Um, I think I saw you wearing a pink shirt on the top hat. Um, love the podcast. Thanks, bye. Uh, yes, I was at the Olympics, but you probably only know that through Twitter. Yeah. I wasn't wearing a pink shirt or a top hat. Not till you got home. <laughs> uh, if you've got something you want to leave for us on voicemail roulette, 07789 Remember, it's money and merchandise in the bag now. Big prize, Kev. It's, a, it's an astonishing prize. Bob Holders would be proud. Certainly would. Ian Collins wants a word. Yay! Stand by for an important message. Stand by for an important message. Space, the final frontier. A journey that no Earth people have ever undertaken before. The ancient name of the dark planet. That ship must be in outer space. Speeding toward the unearthly furies of a planet gone mad. So here it is, Kev. Uh, This is the definitive answer. I don't know I'm rubbish on this space. You love Star 7, whatever it's called. <laughs> Star 7. Blake Trek. Yeah, but... <laughs> all of that. Brilliant. Doctor Encounters. I don't know. <laughs> all of those things. Anyway, back with us, and we're always delighted when he comes on the podcast with us, science broadcaster Mark Fox-Smith. Hi, Mark. Mark Fox-Smith! How are you, sir? I'm very well. I'm very well, because, of course, of the major um, major space news. Indeed. And now, is it naive or just, frankly, crackers that I hadn't heard about this? Um, well, it's easy to miss these things when you've got the Olympics going on. And, and as a top radio broadcaster as yourself, you're probably <laughs> so busy covering uh, Olympics this, Olympics that, Olympics the other, then I can understand why anybody who's not really into science could kind of just have missed this one. I noticed it was on the report, on the, <laughs> uh, reported on the on the BBC News. Fantastic. Well, obviously, I, I, I know my synchronised swimming, but when it comes to groundbreaking stories like landing on Mars... Now, let's just... From the beginning, uh, a, a man hasn't landed on Mars. Is that right? On a good day, on a good day, it would take eight months to get to Mars, as opposed to three days. So you're looking at eight months of food, eight months of heating, because wow. it's very cold in space, eight months of floating about in zero gravity, having your heart um, uh, degrading itself because you need gravity to, to, to keep the muscles going. That's eight months of water, eight months of having radiation poisoning from the outer space. Uh, it's, it's, we've, got a long way to, we've got a way to go before we actually walk on another planet. Well, before we get on to what happened the other week with Mars, am I right in saying there are a couple of astronauts who are practising the, the, the very routine you just spoke of by shutting themselves away for about a year or something? 
Yeah, well, um, th- those sort of exercises have been done for years, and, and um, people have always been locking themselves underground to test, uh, see whether they could survive a nuclear radiation shelter, and, and you know what would happen. Would we be able to? What would it be like when we come blinking out into the sunlight? So those, those projects have been happening, but the most realistic ones was when we had space stations like Maya going, because sometimes people would live up there for months and months and months on end, and those were the people that NASA were particularly, and the other space agencies were particularly interested in looking at and thinking, you know, can can you survive without the zero gravity? Because even as you're sitting gravity is pulling your blood down to your toes and well, presumably you're sitting right way up yeah. and um your heart is having to work very very hard to pump that blood up from your toes all the way up and it's got things to help it like valves and and valves which, which of course break down and then you get back of veins and what have you and and you've got all of those evolutionary bits and bobs to help us live on this planet when we go into zero space there's no need for the heart to pump as hard so it wastes away it's like you know imagine one of these top athletes like uh, bolt imagine if he just sat in a in a chair and did nothing for for mm. five years he, 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 he would barely be able to stand even even somebody of his um healthy qualities okay well what we're dealing with here though is actually a a one-ton vehicle that they sent to mars is that right yeah it's called curiosity it's also known as MSL, which is Mars Science Laboratory. And that's really what it is. It has loads and loads of science tests that are going around on six wheels, which are specially designed to cope with the sand and the lumps and the rocks and things you've got on Mars. Um, it's going to go around and, and do as many scientific tests as possible. I don't want to sound too cynical, but what the hell's the point of that? Well, we're looking for life, for example. But don't they already know that? Because they've sent, haven't they sent some cameras up there and stuff in the past? We've sent other spaceships there before. Um, so, for example, in the 70s, when I was a wee lad, we sent Viking 1 and then Viking 2, which basically landed in the north of Mars and somewhere on the equator. Then recently we sent the Mars Pathfinder, which was the chap little sort of shootbox-sized thing with solar panels on the top, and that was a very successful operation. We sent um, uh, Beagle 2, which, of course, um, crash-landed onto the surface, but let's not go. That was the English <laughs> Yes, yes. We, the, the reason we got we crash landed was because somebody in America was using yeah. inches or centimeters, and we were oh, using the other right. system. That and, was the other. Hilarious. That was at Christmas, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Right. yeah no, that broke a lot of people's hearts because yeah. that was that was a labour of love, and and that one really deserved to work. But these things, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong. You're looking at all these scientific instruments that are being shaken. It really is a serious shakeage when you're lifting off from Earth in a spaceship. So all these scientific instruments have to survive all that shaking and lifting off. Then it's got to float through space for eight months, whatever it is, in a vacuum with all that radiation. Then it's got to land, and the landing looked like the most. Keith Robinson affair of, of a landing spacecraft. It was lowered on cables and retro rockets were firing and springs and all sorts of things. Wow. Um, there's no way I ever thought it was going to work, and it did, because it was um, fantastic engineering. Um, so all these scientific instruments have got to land, all of these. So when you say, what's the point of it? Look, we're pushing... Let's say you're an engineer. You're pushing and pushing engineering. We've never had um, quite such delicate scientific instruments to survive all of that all of that shaking around all that floating into space landing on mars and doing its scientific stuff that's never been done before now it has been done so we're pushing the boundaries of engineering let's say you're not an engineer let's say you're a biologist right what's the what's the scientific things doing it's looking for life now okay maybe we'll find footprints that would be almost definitive or a dead body or a, a moving mm-hmm. alien yeah, okay, that would be definite, definitely, we, we found life. But what we're doing is we're doing chemical tests. And when I say we, I mean the human species. We're doing chemical tests on the surface of Mars to see if there's evidence, like, for example, amino acids. doesn't mean there's definitely life there, but it's a good indication. 
life could have existed on Mars when there's water there, and that was a very long time ago. That's 52 million years ago. That, that's like when dinosaurs were walking Going here. back a bit, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. So maybe life got started and became frozen ever since, because once life gets started, it has a way of sort of hanging on, even if it's in microbial form. Let's say life gets started. Um, if, if it got started and, and then sort of had a mass extinction when the, when the water evaporated off and, and sort of receded into the frozen rocks and things, we would be looking for, for amino acids that would be broken down. Fine. It wouldn't be a guarantee that life was there, but it would be a very good indicator that life has either started there or has existed there. How, how do we not know that this whole curiosity landing isn't fake, just like the moon landings. How do we know it isn't fake? Right. Oh, my God. The, the number of times the, 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 this question uh, crops up. I, okay, the moon landings. That, how, how many years ago is that? It's like 40 years ago, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, approximately 40 years ago. The scientific details and knowledge that we had 40 years ago in fakery and tricking photographs and things would have been certain, certainly discovered by now when we would have analysed each photograph with a digital printer or a digital scanner or something and, and looked for any imperfections. Quite how some of the people get away with writing things on the, on the internet and you know, pointing out shadows and with arrows <laughs> suggesting that it's not that. How they get away with it, I absolutely don't know because, because it is a work of fiction. I think with the amount of money they've spent on this, it would be easier for them to design a, a special one-off six-wheeled rocket uh, buggy system, send it to Mars, then it would actually be cheaper doing that than it would be to fake it. A mate of mine, Skippy, we were in the pub mm. having a few pints, and he said that surely the way to deal with all of these things... And mm. I mean, it's, Skippy's a, a, a guy that isn't known for his profound thinking, but I think he had a point wow. here. He came up with the idea. He said, why don't we just fire off a dozen webcams to these planets and then get all the lazy people to sit around watching screens all day, <laughs> just going, there's a lizard man, I saw one. <laughs> That would right, work, well, well Skippy's doing say, well here. You'd say, no, he's doing, yeah, is he, he onto something? Yeah, he is. Um, projects like that have happened, OK? One of the projects was the SETI projects, where everybody used their computer to start crunching their numbers looking for a signal from an alien world. So that was the equivalent to lazy people just sitting around watching it. Another one was you can get involved in a project classifying galaxies. So they photographed, I don't know, I'll make up a number. Can I make up a number? 10,000 million. Right, so let's say they photographed 10,000 million galaxies. They don't have enough people to look at them all. So they, they said to geeks all over the world who are very happy to, to volunteer to do yeah. this, okay, if the spiral goes that way around, say it's that galaxy. And if the spiral goes that way around, say it's this galaxy. And if it's like this shape, then it's the other one. And so lots and lots of people sitting there looking at the photographs for NASA, classifying it. For, and they found out some, some things that they didn't expect to find out. They actually found out something about the human eye and the way we were reading the images, strangely, which you didn't expect. We were expecting to find something about galaxies or, or, or a bit more information about galaxies. So, and, and another one is um, Skippy is bang on the money because we haven't seen a lizard man, but there was a landslide, I think. Okay. And a landslide on Mars, so so you know, it's not going to stay like that forever. It moved, the, the crust isn't moving. There's no volcanic action there, so it's a fairly dead planet compared to Earth, which you know is all the mountains, the craters, and tsunamis, and, and all of those. Things. Mars is, is much more sedentary, other than when it gets whacked by a big comet or something. Um, anyway, there was a landslide in the valley because you can see where the water used to flow. You can see where all the little all the little riverettes and the rivers and things. 
And you can just imagine filling that all up with blue, mm. which, what it, which is what it would have looked like. And that reminds me about another question you asked is, is how on earth do we know that it's landed? Well, telescopes are getting better and better and better now. And you can see bits of the Apollo on the moon with a seriously good telescope. So half our doubters, go and get yourself a telescope and look at the moon. But yeah, if, doubters! Um, yeah, but if I were to yeah. buy myself a pair of Bazooka Joe binoculars... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not about. And, and, I'm not well, about to, to see much what's going on. Of course, <laughs> and, and you'd have to have you'd have to it'd have to be synchronised yeah. so that it, it follows the moon, um, because at that distance, um, <laughs> even one millimetre, of course, you'll be looking at a, at, at a, at a different part. Okay. Sooner or later, you'll be able to do that with. Um, sooner or later, you'll be able to do that with um, with Mars, of course. Yeah, so he's bang on the money. It wasn't a webcam. People, but NASA was flying around Mars, photographing it every time it went uh, flying around it. And they noticed that the photographs were different, and that was a landslide. And I believe it was a geek that saw that. So they phone your mate Skippy up and say, you know what, that's actually not a, not, it's not just a daft idea, but it's a good idea, and it's been done before. He, so, he is the kind of man that would opt to be self-launched into space. <laughs> if they asked for somebody, he would, he would put his name forward for that. So I'm building a picture of Skippy. <laughs> he yeah, would be highly mind. delighted with that. Uh, just a yeah, final yeah. point, Mark. I mean, so how long is this uh, c- curiosity... Uh, device going to be up there. Uh, what's your gut instinct as to what may be discovered? Are there rumblings and rumours already that we are going to see signs that it, life is still there despite the lack of water? My gut instinct is not to get excited and to say, well, that's what comes out. So um, uh, I, I don't want to get into the deep chemistry of, you know, rotting apples has a sort of a pear smell. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the chemical reaction. I, I, I suspect that there'll be lots of complicated chemistry, which I haven't got time to explain today. And um, have I got away with that? And um, <laughs> lots of chemistry, and, and it will get closer and closer and closer. So, for example, we've we, we, we've seen a chemical reaction which is very similar to to um, rotting apples, and that is an indicator. These next ones will be better, better indicators. They're like maybe a whole damn amino acid, okay. or maybe a whole sugar. A sugar molecule wouldn't form itself by accident. That would have to be created created uh, somehow. Or when it, it wouldn't be a sugar. It would be carbon combined with some other alien things. Of course, because we don't know what we're looking for because it's aliens. We've never seen them before. Well, in a word, give, we us a, give us your gut, to, you know, a yes or a no. Is, is there folk living on Mars? Um, I, I, I'm not going to say yes or no. I'm going to say no, there is not folk living on Mars, but there is, very, there is a very realistic possibility that there is a repeating molecule. Maybe it's DNA, maybe it's another one. Maybe it's encapsulated in the cell membrane, maybe it's a whole damn plant. I don't know. Good work. Mark, as always, great to have you on. And it's thank it's you really nice. Us. Look, seriously, go on these websites and have a, look at, have a look at the surface of Mars because it's never been seen by humans before. It's only now that you can look on the web and you can do it right now. You can, you can type Gale Crater, press Maps, and you'll see where it landed. Of course, it'll be on Mars, not on Earth. And you can see the surface as we're discovering it. And this has never been done before since the Pathfinder, but now it's even done in 3D and all sorts of things. And I do urge people to, to not only do that, but to go outside tonight, look up at about 10 degrees. The red thing in Leo, you don't need to know that, the red thing is Mars. And you can see that, Ian, tonight. I can see that tonight, and anybody can tonight. And, and if you don't believe me, then um, come around my house and I'll show it to you, because it's just over there. That, everybody, is science broadcaster Mark Foxmith with us, everybody. Credit stream. 
Well, that is that. Time to grab your plimsolls and your satchels as we conclude episode 27. A swift reminder that all previous episodes, that's now an impressive 26, are still available for free to download at iTunes. And while you're there, make sure you lob us a nice five-star review. Thanks to you for downloading. Thanks to all of our guests. All can be found on Twitter, as can we, at Ian Collins UK. The intro feature and sponsor music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompitech.com. The show's technical operator, Andre Porch. Programme edited by Manny Kendall. Our researcher was Gordon Brown. And today's chunky fact comes courtesy of Steve in Manchester, who tells me that there are enough owls in the UK for every family to own one each. That's got to be bonkers. Oh, and as ever, the in-show catering was provided by Abdul's Coffee Shack. We're off now to grab our swimming trunks and our rubber rings as we take a two-week summer break. Lord knows why. We've done all to deserve it. It does, though, mean we'll be back bronzed and re-energised for Monday, September the 3rd. I can't wait, me. Goodbye. A Big Things Media Production. Big Things! Conquer Life's Mountains with the Mitsubishi ASX. Powering Ian Collins once a word. means though we'll be back re-energized sharp-eyed and very sharp-eyed what the does that mean (laughs) so that's the end of season two that is the end of season two it's all done we've got 27 shows in the bag it's incredible it really is quite amazing. But I, I have to wonder what, you know, what comes next after a break. What happens in season three? On big TV shows in oh. season three, usually a major character dies. Uh, that's usually what happens. Can I just ask you something? Please. Who the f*** are you? Splink!